Brother Terry. Thank you, choir. Thank our praise team. Thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to a familiar passage. John chapter 3, familiar verse, verse 16. This is going to be our Christmas passage this morning. I believe uh, this is the message of Christmas. John 3 is what Christmas is all about. I appreciate Terry singing about what salvation means to him. And I know we all have personal testimony in that as a believer. This morning I want to share with you a sermon. This is uh, the greatest gift. The greatest gift. We'll be looking at uh, John 3.16 later on Romans. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8. The greatest gift, you see the manger there on the screen, but inside that manger you'll see a crown of thorns. Very important. It's a beautiful picture when you think about it. The manger, crown of thorns. Listen to God's word, familiar passage. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time thanking you for an opportunity to worship you. And Father, as we've opened your word, I pray that you would speak to our heart, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide. Help me, I pray, Father, to share your word. Give me the right words to say, the right spirit to say them in. Father, I pray for each person here. Father, may we begin to reflect about our relationship with you. For those who have never trusted you, I pray today that they would receive this free gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this service. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The verse again, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The Greek text says that he gave his one and only unique son, different from anyone else, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Now that perish is, that word perish is an important word. The word perish is the Greek word apoluma, which simply means to perish in and of yourself. To perish in and of yourself. The Greek means to perish in and of yourself. In the Greek, it's what you call the middle voice, and that just simply means this, you perish in and of yourself. If, meaning that if someone perishes, they perish because they made a choice. That's why you perish. In and of yourself. You perish because you've made a choice. Have you ever heard anyone say this? Something similar. I believe that the loving God in heaven will never send anybody to hell. Ever heard anyone say that? You ever say, if God is all loving, he won't send anyone to hell. Well, you're right. He doesn't send anyone to hell. When hell was created, it was created for the devil and his angels. The point is, hell was never created for a place or as a place for human beings to go. But some say, you know, I'd rather go there instead of embracing the biblical truth of the story of God's Son. I'd rather just go to hell. Billy Graham had a good friend. His name was Charles Templeton. I was reading about this last night. 
but he had a good friend, Charles Templeton. Charles and Billy were evangelists. Of course, you remember Billy Graham, but Charles Templeton and Billy Graham were evangelists in the 40s. And Charles Templeton was believed, what many people believed, he would have been the greatest evangelist ever known. But both evangelists, but one turned from the faith to never return, never to come back to the faith. The other went on to change the world. Temperton left the faith, went to Princeton University to study Christianity more critically. Graham, like all true believers, experienced a time in his life in which he thought there was a which he thought there was sufficient evidence to make a commitment. Now listen, there's no way that faith can wait until every stone is overturned. Some people say, I just don't understand that. I just don't believe there's a God. I just, how can he create the world in seven days? And they try to figure everything out. At some point in life's journey, in your journey and my journey, we have to decide if God is real, if the Bible is trustworthy, and if Christ is who he said he is. We have to do that. We either accept what the Bible says or reject what the Bible says. So there comes a time we decide to believe or not to believe. And you'll die and perish before you figure it all out. But there's a point in time where you will realize, hey, I believe that the Bible is real. I believe Jesus by historical evidence, archaeological evidence, that Jesus, prophetic evidence, that Jesus is who he says he is. And I believe. Temperton tried to figure everything out. And he went to study, more, to be more critically a uh, student of why he believed what he believed. And so they parted ways. And so all of us from time to time have to make a choice. And when we make that choice, we either decide to believe the Bible, what the Bible says. Billy Graham just told Templeton, he said, I don't understand how God created the heaven, the world in six days and rested on the seventh, but I just believe what the Bible says. You either believe it or you reject it. Some say, I, I'd just rather go to hell, really, than to embrace the biblical truth of the story of God's Son. Just don't believe that. So that's a choice they make. Listen to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to read verse 8. says this, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sometimes even as Christians we make a commitment that, that if you respond in a right way, then I will respond in a proper way to you. However, the Bible says, when we were responding to the wrong way to God, God did the right thing on our behalf. When we were yet sinners, meaning when I was opposing God, when I was at enmity with God, during that time, there was enmity between God and myself, but yet he was pursuing me, and he was making a way for me by giving me the greatest gift that he could ever give me, and that was his son, Jesus. You know, people spend a lot of money on gifts. I was listening this morning 
on Fox News, and they reported that Christmas sales this, this year is going to be up 4%. They said the average, person sp- uh, the average family spends $1,000 on Christmas. And this year, it's estimated that Americans will spend between $7 and $8 billion during Christmas. The point is, gift-giving is the heart of humankind. You know, when you want to express how much you care for a person, you give them a gift. And that's what God did. He gave his best gift that could ever be given He gave us his son. On one occasion, in Matthew chapter chapter 7, verse 11, listen to what he says. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? And so we give gifts outwardly of what we feel inwardly to kind of illustrate to the person receiving our gifts our thoughts, our hopes, our love that we have for them. So the point is God loves us so much that he gave and he sent us his best. Now listen, he loves us so much. Now get this that when he sent someone, he came himself. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. And so God draped himself in human flesh, The Old Testament tells us that God is spirit. The New Testament tells us that he draped himself in human flesh. He he came to identify with us as humans. Think of that. God in heaven came to identify with us as humans. I know people who have family members, and you do too, and they'll have a family member who's diagnosed with cancer, and they have the chemo and and the radiation, and... And the natural effect of those drugs, the hair comes out. And the person loves them so much that they want to identify with them. And what will they do? They'll shave their hair. Why is that? They love them so much they want to identify with them. Now get this. God loved us so much that he clothed himself in human flesh, came to this earth to experience everything that you're going through right now to experience loneliness. If you're lonely, Jesus experienced that. If you feel betrayed by someone, Jesus experienced that. If you had a loved one that died recently, Jesus experienced that and wept over the grave of his cousin Lazarus. If you have a physical hurt, Jesus knows how that feels. If you have mental anguish, he knows how that feels. He even had so much mental anguish that he prayed so hard that he sweated blood. But he draped himself in human flesh to identify with you, identify with me. Now, why did he do that? Because he loves us. 
He loves us right where we are. I have a book in my library entitled Five Love Languages. It was taught this years ago by Gary Chapman. He gives five words, five love languages that we need to use if we love each other as husbands and wives and, and people in general. I'm going to list those words for you real quick. The first one, you give words of affirmation. When you care for someone, you affirm them. You don't tear them down, but you affirm them. You give words of affirmation. Secondly, you give quality time. You show the person that you love them by spending time with them. And then receiving gifts. Understanding what it means to receive gifts, therefore you give gifts. You know, uh, it's, it's more about giving gifts than receiving gifts. That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's about the joy and excitement in giving someone a gift. The other night I went to a family get-together, a Christmas party with some cousins of mine. And Judy couldn't go, but she sent a gift. She sent a hostess gift. She wanted to send a gift. I went in and I said, this is from, this is from Judy. You know, my mother gave gifts. No occasion. She'd just bring give you a gift. Love to give gifts. I love to give gifts. A love language is receiving gifts, knowing then how to give gifts. And then another one, an act of service, and then the physical touch. But the greatest of all gifts, remember this, was given by God himself. I don't care what you give this Christmas, what you receive this Christmas, the greatest gift ever given to you was given by God Almighty, and he gave his son Jesus Christ. That's what John 3.16 is all about. You can tell how much a person values someone by the gift they get. So pay attention. Pay real close attention. If you're here or if you're listening, live stream, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, if you don't feel valued today, listen to me. God values so much. God values you so much that he gave Jesus Christ to you as a gift. Never forget John 3.16. It's really saying this, insert your name in the place of world. For God so loved Sammy Taylor that he gave his only begotten son that if Sammy Taylor believed in him, Sammy Taylor would not perish, but Sammy Taylor would have everlasting life what it means you say well brother sammy you don't know what kind of person i am i don't know but god knows he knows and he loves you just like you are right now i like what the evangelist jay strack said he said god loves you like you are but god loves you too much to leave you like you are so he sent his son so real quick Here's your outline. We're getting to that's the introduction. First of all, <clears throat> you you sh you show the value of a gift. First, a gift value is measured by what is given. A gift is measured. The value of that gift is measured by what is given. I jotted this down. You know, you want to you want to give your best to your 
to your children, to your spouse, to your girlfriend, to your boyfriend. You want to give the best gift during this time of the year. You want them to, you want them to wait. You want them to wait to the, let that package be the last one that you open right there. Don't open that right now. Here, open this one. You know, we hand, it takes forever to open gifts at our house. We do everybody one at a time. And everybody opens that gift. And I'm sitting there, I'm so excited, it's like a child. I want to open one. Then it finally rolls around in my time. And then I keep looking at one gift over there to me, but it's the last one. They want that to be the last. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? Don't open that one. Wait, save that one. You're going to open that one in a minute. Now, why is that? Why is that? That special gift is usually the only thing. When someone asks you, what did you get for Christmas? You're going to say, I you, you tell them that gift, although you got a lot of other things. That gift was so special. So the point is, the value of a gift is measured by what is given. So when God decided to give us a gift, to give a gift to mankind, he gave his only unique son, his most prized possession. That's the value of his gift. And so the value of a gift is measured by what is given. Secondly, jot this down. A gift, the value of a gift is measured by how it's given. Some wrap a gift in a big old box, and you open it, there's another box. You open that, and there's another box. You open that, and there's another box. And then, I, I did this to Judy one time, and you open that, and it's not even in the last box that is hanging on the Christmas tree. They go through all of that, you know. That's, that's how sometimes we, we give our gifts. But the point is, the gift is measured not by where it's given, but, you know, he, but what's given. He gave us his son. The value is measured in how it's given. Now, think how God gave his gift. There had never been a virgin before that had a baby. Never then and even now. Miraculously. That's how God gave. He sent his unique son, and he did it in a very unique way, a virgin, having a baby, and then also getting the world's attention in that he, he placed a star in the sky over the place where his son would be born. Even placed a star in the heavens to announce the place of his birth. And then summons three wise men, kings from afar, to make their journey to the place where he would be born. And then he ushered in the shepherds, these poor, lonely shepherds from a field afar. So the point is that he reached down to lowly shepherds, and then he reached out to those that were prestigious, the kings, saying, I came into the world for everyone. I came for the rich, but I came for the poor. I came for the upper class, but I came for the lower class. And if you're a king with treasures, or if you're a shepherd with stinking sheep, I came for you. What an appropriate gift to give to a shepherd. A lamb. A lamb. It's a lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And remember, he, he was born in Bethlehem. The Bible tells us, translated, the house of bread. God allowed the bread of heaven to be born in 
Bethlehem, the house of bread. Remember what Jesus said? John chapter 6, verse 48. He said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which came down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Now, the eating is the eating of this bread. The eating is the receiving into yourself the person that God sent, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Receive in him into your life and so the value of a gift is measured by what is given the value of a gift is measured how it's given and then i'll close with this the value of a gift is measured by why it's given why would god give us his son well he he gave us his son to communicate how much he loved us god saying i love you this much I'm giving my son to die for you. And Jesus is saying, hey, I just didn't come to live a perfect life. I just didn't come to live among you. I just didn't come to do miracles. But I've come to die a vicarious death. That word vicarious means when I die, I'm dying on behalf of other people. Not for myself, but for others. I'm dying so that you might live. Jesus said it this way, I've come that you might have life. That word, that word life, the Greek word for life is zoe, z-o-e. Some, some parents name their children or their child zoe, means life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Life in the New Testament means to have life like God knows life. It's eternal life. It's, it's, a, um, it's an abundant life. God don't care to, to give you, not, he, you know, he didn't give us just any kind of life, but he gave us an abundant life. That's the quality of it. He gave us an eternal life. That's the, that's the quality of it because he loves us. He just didn't come to change us, but to give us life but also to send us on a mission, to send us on a mission. Jesus said, even as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. So he came to change us, but at the same time to save us and to give us an abundant life, but to send us on a mission. That's why we're a missionary church. We have a mission. He didn't come just to change us, just to save us, but also to commission us to go also. We learned this past Sunday night during discipleship that salvation doesn't stop at the baptismal pool. Baptism's not the finish line. It's the starting line. We're on co-mission with God to redeem a lost world to himself. That's the purpose of our salvation. Not only just to go to heaven, my goodness, how selfish would that be while others go to hell? But he left us here to be on mission. Jesus has a commission to join him as he reaches a lost world. 
I want to share in closing Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Listen to this. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Here's what Christmas means. I'm going to borrow a statement from Johnny Hunt, one of my favorites. He said this. Christmas tells us that God knew that there was only one gift that we could really, truly not live without. That was the gift of his son. Only gift you can't live without. And that's the gift of his son. God knew that. And he gave us that gift. Now you make a decision. Billy Graham, enough facts. Do you believe in Jesus? Or like Templeton, oh, I need to study this a little more. And he died at 86 years old. Last book, I believe the title of it, I'm not, I'm not sure on the title, something like uh, uh, Departing from God or something. Very sad story. That's a decision you make. But some will open a a gift on Christmas. It really perhaps won't be what you hope for. But there's one gift that you can't live without. Live without. Abundantly. Eternally. What life is, what real life is. There's one gift that you will not live without. That's Jesus. I don't know your relationship with the gift of God today, but I pray if you've never trusted Christ, I pray you'd enjoy the real meaning of Christmas as we as you come this morning and say, I want to accept this gift into my life, the gift of Jesus Christ, and all that he brings to me, which is real life. Some say Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, I know why they say that. But really, Jesus Christ is the reason for, your, for life. Eternal life. Abundant life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come together today as your people to celebrate your birth. Realizing the greatest gift ever given to mankind is your son. Lord, we could see how valuable you think we are. I don't understand that. I can't wrap my mind around you thinking I'm value and I'm worth dying for. But Father, that's how much you loved us. I thank you, Lord, for each person here. And I pray for those who have never truly accepted Jesus Christ accepted your gift and what he brings to offer, the forgiveness of sin, peace with God, eternal life, place in heaven, all of that. So I pray for each person here today. And I pray for the believer here. And I pray, Lord, even today that we would 
recommit ourselves new to you. Anew. Lord, that we would rededicate our life to you, realizing the love that was behind the sacrifice that was made for us individually, but not just for us, but for the world. So help us, Lord, to accept our mission to share the good news with others that we come in contact with. Thank you for what you're going to do during this invitation time, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you.